Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode number 24 of the Hog Talk podcast, powered by the Yellow Jacket Drive-In. Tonight we're going to be talking about Saturday's loss, the aftermath, Morse's hot seat. Is it really hot? Recruiting update with a decommitment late Sunday evening. This is the Hog Talk podcast, episode number 24. Razorback Nation, this is your host, Jacob Davis, and to my imaginary ride again, as usual, my co-host, Ty Hudson of Picture Network. Ty, how's it going, bud? Uh, you know, well, a very sobering Sunday, I guess, uh, from what we what we witnessed last night in Fayetteville. So very uh, sobering, and uh, I, I don't know, kind of, a, I just have that feeling of what happened last night was that a nightmare or what so overall i guess physically i'm fine emotionally different level if you've been living under a rock razorback fans you would know you wouldn't know that arkansas lost 31 24 to a san jose state team that went one and 11 last season and out of the mountain west conference tie man i know north texas they were competitive ULM in 2012 was competitive. Toledo in 2015 was competitive. This is a loss that stinks. Yeah, it's it's a this is the worst loss. I can say you you can say all day long how bad the Colorado State loss was last season, Mm -hmm. but that was different circumstances. I mean, we were leading 27 to nine going into the fourth quarter uh, last year. This, I mean, Arkansas wasn't ready from the get go. The defense looked bad. The offense. I mean, whether it was Starkle or the offensive line or the running backs or the wide receivers not getting separation off the offensive line, mm-hmm. there's so many issues on this team. Yeah, they put up yardage, but they couldn't get points. They they left, man, they left seven positions on the field, and four of them were in the red zone. Two yeah, of so them were on fourth downs, and then two other ones were interceptions in the red zone. Those games you mentioned, uh, you know, North Texas and Colorado State last year, I mean, those are teams that at least had something to brag about. Like, you know, Colorado State, despite the fact they weren't very good last year, but offensively they were uh, they were pretty solid a year ago. I mean, at least you could you could you had an understanding after the season was over with, definitely not immediately following the loss on the road at Colorado State. Uh, everyone was I mean, we knew right then and there this is gonna be a long year. But, you know, when the dust settled at the end of the year, it was like, okay, well, they did have a pretty dynamic offense. They could they could throw the ball pretty damn good. Still doesn't excuse the loss. Then you look at North Texas, Mason Fine, who I, I said, you know, going into that, going into 2018, this guy could be the best, uh, one of the top five quarterbacks Arkansas faces all year long. I mean, Mason Fine is that caliber of a quarterback. You know, he was that conferences, that – of the non-power fives, he was kind of like their Kyler Murray in a way. You know, I mean, you're talking about a five foot ten, hundred eighty pound quarterback who could just make things happen. Uh, I'm not calling him Kyler Murray, but for the non-power fives, he was that caliber. I think in terms, you know, by comparison, he was uh, he was dangerous. And in that offense, that team was scary. And I saw that doing my breakdown for the season review a year ago. I saw so much on film that worried me about those guys. I still thought Arkansas would win that game, and they didn't. And the way they lost, it was unacceptable. But again, when the dust settled, you understood, okay, they were they had Mason fine. They had a pretty good offense. The year didn't turn out for North Texas like they wanted it to, but they hey, they beat Arkansas. They beat an SEC team in Fayetteville. Then you fast forward to the San Jose State game. This is not a team that has any of that stuff. This no. is not a football team. You shouldn't lose to those other games or to uh, those other teams. You shouldn't have lost those games. I completely, I think we're all on the same, we're all on, on board with that. 
but at least there's some form of rationale where you go, okay, there's some issue there with Arkansas, yada, yada, yada. That other team was okay. Here you have San Jose State, who's won how many games in three years? You know, when was the last time they beat – when have they beat a Power 5 school on the road? 13 years ago, Ty. 13. That's 2006. unbelievable. It's ridiculous. The – you know, they come in here, Josh, uh, Josh Love, their quarterback, 32 of 49, 402 yards, two touchdowns. He had a quarterback rating of 73.5, according to ESPN – I mean, they made that offense look like they were full of All-Americans. I, I remember thinking and watching this, and I can't remember if it was our group. I'm in like 16 different text groups on my phone. <laughs> but I told, I said it to everybody coming out of that, the, the first few drives that San Jose State had, I said I said to those guys, this is North Texas 2.0. It's, it's just got that feeling. And, I mean, although they didn't curb stomp Arkansas, they still found a way to win it, 31-24. to I don't know... Everyone's comparing this loss and saying it's the worst in school history. I just can't agree with that. Anytime you lose to an FCS school at home like they did to Citadel back in, what was that, 92 under Jack Crow, yeah, yeah. that is embarrassing. That, but, that loss, you ask anybody who was old enough to remember back then, that loss was so bad, Frank Royals fired Jack Crow, yeah. supposedly on the field. I don't, I, I don't know if that's true or not. Fired him right then and there. Year two. After the Citadel game, he's gone. And that's exactly what should have happened. Although you can argue the Danny Ford hire eventually, that would lead to the Danny Ford hire, and then you have to question how that really worked out. Um, but here you go. And, and like like our, our good friend Kyle over at Tex Hogs said, this is the beginning of the end for, for Chad Morris. That's exactly what this is. It's the beginning of the end. Yeah. And, and what is the end, Ty? I mean, you talked about it last night, and you're – post-game show on YouTube and your halftime show on Facebook. What is the end? When does this end? The Razorback fans, like I've alluded to on on my website this afternoon, on my, on my story that I released, and then last night, what I said on Facebook and Twitter about Razorback fans not deserving the product that they've been given seven games and four, or seven years and four games into 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 this tenure post Bobby Petrino, what have the Razorback fans done to deserve this? Nothing. Yeah. You Nothing. ask you ask when this ends. That's a yeah. really good question. That is that's ultimately that's the million dollar question. How much and none of us can read Hunter Yurchek's mind. We know the facts are Hunter Yurchek was not involved in this process of 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 finding the next head coach. Even though I believe, I'm sure someone will correct us. I, Hunter Yurchek ultimately signed off on it. This, he yeah. wasn't a part of the search. This isn't his guy. I think you could actually argue that this was, and this has been the argument on social media, that he's actually Jerry Jones's guy or Clint Sterner. Clint Sterner pushed him on Twitter all day long. Yeah. And, um, and maybe that had a, had a, maybe that took its toll on the board and, and um, the interim AD. Maybe that, peoples. Yeah. maybe that kind of influenced their decision a little bit. I don't know. So you wonder how much does Hunter Yurichek put up with? Now, like we said earlier in our chat, God bless text messaging and group text messaging, by the way. I'm just going to say I know a lot of people aren't a fan of it. I love it. I just get mixed up who the hell I tell what to. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know when you – when you fire a guy like Mike Anderson, like Hunter Yurchek did, that was someone who had a proven record at Arkansas that he could win. He didn't, you know, his track record speaks for itself in ter- as, as, as far as his regular season record. Now, I was all for, look, and I'm t- I've talked about it here before. I caught a lot of flack when I said, yeah, it's time for Mike Anderson to go. They need to make a change. I don't know if Musselman's the right guy or not. I don't know. That's another podcast for another day. Mike Anderson had to go. Hunter Yurichek yeah. fired a proven winning coach who had flipped Arkansas around from being an embarrassment to a program that you at least expect to make to the NCAA tournament every other year. And he fired him. His first year on the job, Hunter's first first action, one of his first actions as the AD coming from Houston was to fire a proven winning coach. You think he's going to put up with, with much more of this? From from Chad Morris and the staff, no way. 
There's no way. I don't think he's going to do something crazy. Again, we, 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 you know, we can't read minds here, but I don't think he's going to fire him in the middle of the season. That's a very emotional type of reaction, and Hunter Juracek doesn't strike me as that type of guy. Um, I could absolutely see a very similar situation like what happened with Brett Bielema, where they fire him if, if assuming they go 2-10 and 10 or 3-9, and nine, you've lost another game to Mizzou, he's gone. Before he even reaches the locker room, he's gone. I could totally yeah. see that happening. Yeah, and and people thought they called us crazy. I mean, we at the time me and you weren't working together, mm-hmm. but people called us crazy when we heard the the rumors of Mike Anderson probably being fired. He lost eleven games by eight points or less or six points or less last season before getting fired. He just didn't win the close games. Yeah, he was a proven winner, and he showed that later on in his tenure at Arkansas, he could get to the NCAA tournament. But whether it was a young team or not, I mean, they were struggling. And in basketball, it doesn't matter if you have young talent or old talent. You should be able to I – mean, basketball is a whole different animal. Yeah. But the, the caliber of players that he brought in that class with the guys that he had coming back was underwhelming. I think that's ended up what happened to get Mike Anderson fired. Look mm-hmm. – Chad Morris didn't walk in with Arkansas having sellout crowds or 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 great fan support. Honestly, I mean, Razorback Stadium wasn't full at all the last couple of years uh, of Brett Bielema. After that, after that Auburn fifty-six to three loss in two thousand sixteen, things started to go downhill. People stopped showing up to games because they didn't care. And it reared its ugly head, especially in that TCU game in 2017 where they just got blown out, just suffocated uh, in 2017. And, and Chad Moore has inherited a mess, but you you lose almost half your mess this offseason, and you still don't look any better. Yeah, That that goes down to coaching. And, and you look last night, and I'm going to go on a rant for a minute here. The first play of the ball game is a 60-yard pass to Terry Gaither from Josh Love. Josh Love is a quarterback who is a senior walk-on who's only thrown three 300-yard games before the game against Arkansas. Three in four seasons. Three. And he's had extensive playing time. And you want to know who, what games he threw those in? One was in the UNLV, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas Rebels. Twice. And the other one uh, was another, I think it was Northern Arizona or somebody like that. Like, not even FBS squad. And UNLV was coming off like one or two win seasons. Unacceptable, Ty. Right. And and I had uh, had somebody text me and said that, you know, Chavis, he's been provided the best defensive talent everywhere he's been. We're in Tennessee. He was defensive coordinator there. Had the best talent. That was when Tennessee were that they were at their height of, of their program, the the best like fifteen to twenty years of school history. And then he goes to LSU and has the best Louisiana talent you can ask for. And and he does he does great until he leaves after like an eight and five season at LSU, goes to Texas A and M. He has Miles Garrett and uh, a couple other guys on that defensive line. And for a couple of years, he was good at Texas A&M. He had the best talent at Texas A&M at his disposal. And then he comes to Arkansas, and he can't even adapt his players to play at least a little bit of the scheme. And it's and and this has been the problem for the past four years. I mean, with Rob uh, with with Rob Smith playing that basic standard defense with no rush. And then you had Paul Rhodes that looked the same, whether it was 3-4 or 4-3 defense. And then you have John Chavis, and the defense just looks the same. They, they, there's nothing there to, that, that gives you any promise, Ty. And well, it's, it's a combination of a lot of different things, and I'm having this discussion with someone on, in our Discord channel. You know, Someone is saying, well, it's, they don't have speed. Okay, it's it's more than speed. It's more than just – don't get me wrong. Talent is a problem. The injuries racked up is a problem. Having a banged up bumper pull out there trying to make plays is a problem because you you have no 
depth behind him. You can't play the guy behind him. You had to play bumper pool. You know, you, Jamario Bell was out there, but he seemed to be kind of, you know, he rotated quite a bit, but they're still without Dorian Gerald. You know, uh, there's injuries that are racked up on the defense. And yes, speed is an issue, but I saw wrong, bad angles taken, missed yeah. tackles, guys yeah. out of place. It wasn't just the outside edge they couldn't contain. Remember, we've talked about that. Their outside containment's terrible. This whole game from start to finish was so mismanaged and it goes back to coaching it goes back to chavis it goes back to the position coaches it goes back to chad morris ultimately yeah they were unprepared they were they were and and the talent difference for people talking about they're still working on transitioning right they're still trying to get their guys in right that's ridiculous this is san jose state i mean they are really not that far away from being considered an fcs school and you lose yeah. a ball game to San Jose State. You don't need juniors and seniors to 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 beat a San Jose State, to beat a Colorado State. You know, to to play just barely get by Tulsa. You go back to that Tulsa game a year ago. I mean, they 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 goose egged them twenty to nothing. But if you go back and watch, it was atrocious. That game was it's not. That, that was an ugly win. This yeah. team doesn't have the talent. They don't have the coaching. Everyone from Chad Morris all the way down, I mean, it's like they're lost. They're not on the same page. They're discombobulated, baby. They don't look good at all. They don't look like they, they belong in the SEC, and we're seeing that. And it, they're exposed, and it's sad that teams like San Jose State, the, the, there's no longer this expectation like we had under Petrino and Houston Nutt. There's no longer this expectation of, oh, yeah, you've got North Texas coming into Fayetteville. That's a win. San Jose State coming into Fayetteville. That's a win. Colorado State on the road at home, neutral site, doesn't matter. That's a win. We don't have that anymore. That's gone. It's not 100% Chad Morris's fault, like you said, and you're dead on. He inherited a mess. There's no doubt about that. But 16 games is more than enough time to get at least to see some signs of progression, to see them take the right step in the right direction. We don't have that. We're still, you know, the offense at times has looked okay, right? Starkle comes in, turns it around against Ole Miss, has a you know pretty good game, a great game really compared to what they had with Ben Hicks. Uh, against uh, Colorado State, comes back, gets the win. Then here you go against San Jose State. The guy throws five picks, has a quarterback rating of 51.8. That's not good for those of you who who are kind of on the outside on quarterback rating. That's not good. 51.8 is terrible, especially when you consider you played San Jose State. So it's more than just not having, quote-unquote, speed. It's it's guys out of place, taking bad angles, uh, missed assignments. It's it's the whole thing, and it's – uh, there's just not enough words to describe it. I, I mean, people on social media have done more than just their part of just trying to describe what we witnessed, and it was just a nightmare. Yeah. And and another thing, before we go to break here in a minute or two, look, in in post-game press conferences, you – look, Morris has not won enough to be rude – I mean, you, you can't win enough to be rude to your media because the media will turn on you quick. And the way he snaps back at Bob Holt. I love Bob Holt. He's he's the uh, pioneer uh, of my age. Because, I mean, he he's one of those guys that's just been there from the beginning. Him, Otis Kirk, Richard Davenport. You know, these guys that are the elder statesmen of, of, of Arkansas sports media, you do not disrespect them. If they ask you a question, just be bl- just plain with them. Don't don't berate them, or, or I mean, like Bob Holt said, so he said something about defense last night, and Chad Moore snapped back at him. He says, "Well, I'm sure you saw the same the same game that that I saw." That's that's uncalled for, Ty. I don't know if you watched that or not, but that's I, that's uncalled for. I take some of that as he's he's frustrated with what he saw, and I think he knows he's he's on the hot seat. There's no doubt about that. I, th- yeah. I think that's something we're going to talk about tonight. I understand getting a little flustered with the media it's gonna happen but yeah he has every week he has um he has snapped back at the media you know the whole quarterback debacle during the fall camp he didn't want to talk about it and what i think people forget and it's always it's baffling to me when i see fans on twitter bash the media for asking questions that bother chad morris 
Yeah. They're there for you. Yeah, they're getting yes. paid to do it, but they're there on your behalf trying to provide you with as much content and as many facts as they can. Okay, it's sports. It's the last place where we can get facts from the media these days. It's just without it being biased or whatever. It's the yeah. last place. The last bastion of hope for for media honesty is in sports. It's in sports media. Why are people on on Twitter? People are getting after Bob Holt on Twitter, and I'm like, what are you doing? Don't discourage yeah. him from asking the hard questions. Not at all. I want him to get Chad Morse flustered. I want the truth. I want Chad right. Morse. It's and, and this whole idea that they owe us nothing. I saw that last night. Chad Morris and the staff doesn't owe anything to the media or to us as as fans. Uh, yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. They, if if, if yeah. they're asking the questions, you should answer them to the best of your knowledge and, and to to what Chad Morris should know. We know he holds back, and he's like you said, he snaps back at the media, and it gets a little uncalled for. I understand being flustered, upset after that loss, but. Bob Holt, he's doing the best he can. He's doing his job. Yeah, that's it. He's doing his job. And and you have to, I mean, Chad Morris is doing his job. Bob Holt's doing his job. Just answer the man. Just don't be rude to him. Just answer his dang question. I'm sorry. If it's, if it's, a, if it's a question that, that is just stupid, like, do you think your family has distracted you from your, you know, not that that happened. Stuff like yeah. that, I could understand being like, whoa, okay, shut up. Like, I'm not going to answer that. Yeah. But they're asking straight up honest questions. And I don't yeah. understand people on Twitter. I don't understand fans berating the media for that. And Bob Holt, there were fans on social media that absolutely just drug him through the mud. And I'm sure there's some people in the media who, who get it, who understand that fans feel like they have a – they should ask things a certain way. I'm just one of those who, who doesn't. I, I don't – you ask – Whatever, you know, you're trying to do your job. You're trying to get the trying to bring the honesty and the facts to to the people who subscribe to your paper, to your website, whatever. You're there, like you said, you're there to do a job and provide content. So stop booing these people on social media. My God, they're there on your behalf. Yeah. So right after the break, guys, we're gonna be talking about Chad Morris and is his hot seat level. Is it is it hot? Is it burning hot? Me and Ty will break that down right after this break. The Yellow Jacket Drive-In is the hub of downtown Sheridan, Arkansas. They are the home of the Hubcap Cheeseburgers. They'll give you crinkle-cut french fries that will tease your palates. The tastiest shakes in the state at 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan, Arkansas. They are family-owned, fast service, and the folks of the Yellow Jacket are ready to see you. Call in your order ahead at 870-942-2486. On Sunday, we asked Razorback fans to give us their reactions regarding Arkansas's loss to San Jose State on Saturday. Here is Aaron from Glenrose with his reaction. Jacob, Ty, what's going on, guys? Before I get into anything, I want to say that you guys do an awesome job at running this podcast. Uh, I listen, I listen to it weekly, and enjoy every minute of it. Uh, moving on, though, uh, I thought the game itself was just not there. I don't think Hogs were ready to play at all. I think a lot of Hog fans would agree with me. Uh, just in a point, start out on offense. Just we didn't look good on offense at all. The five interceptions thrown by Nick Starkle were not, were not, they were unacceptable. Just like Coach Moore said in the post-game interview, uh, and I'll just, I'll just say it out here: the whole game itself was unacceptable. Uh, when you pay a, a team a hundred or one point five million to come in and play you, uh, I, that doesn't need you. Shouldn't lose, shouldn't lose that game. Uh, defensively, I question whether or not uh, the John Chavis hire was worth it. Uh, people say he's outdated. I don't want to say that because I respect that man way too much. I'm an offensive guru. Uh, I've seen what he is. I've seen what he's produced in the past to different teams. So I don't want to put disrespect on his name or Coach Morris's name. And uh, that's another thing. People I've seen on Facebook that people want Morris out. Uh, that he shouldn't have. We shouldn't have hired him in the first place. Uh, you know. People, people might be right about that. Uh, I, I don't know whether to agree with it or not. I'm not on that train yet, but I'm very close to getting there. The only reason why I'm not is because it's only year two. He's only got about – he's this, this freshman class, the freshman and sophomore class is his only class. His only two classes, he's still got Bielema's, Bielema's guys there. So I don't want to put the blame fully on Coach Morris. 
yet, but for this game, for the game itself, I am because they got out coached. Obviously, he doesn't even have to say that. He they got out coached from the get go. Uh, just a not not a pretty game. But hopefully, this week against A and M, they'll come out firing because A and M obviously came off of a really bad loss at home that looks bad for them. They were supposed to be contending for a national championship. I don't don't know why, but you know that, that's just me. But uh, hopefully this week, uh, you know Nick Starkhorn or Keen Boyd will go off because this is the former their former team. So uh, that's all. That's all I got to say. Uh, Jacob Ty again. Uh, lo- love what you guys do. So keep it up. Welcome back to episode number twenty four of the Hog Talk Podcast, powered by the Yellow Jacket Drive in Sheridan, Arkansas. Always fresh, never frozen meat and ice cream that will treat your taste buds with delight. Try them out. 870-942-2486. Sheridan, Arkansas. 100 North Rock Street in Sheridan. Come get you some, bro. So, Ty, Morris's hot seat. Is it is it hot? Is it is it warm? Or, or is it just getting started? Oh, man. that Again, that goes back to what we said earlier about knowing and reading Hunter Yurchek's mind. I... I from a fan's perspective, yeah, it's flaming hot. I mean, it's so hot. The guy, you know, his, his underwear gets scorched if he tries to sit down in that coach's chair. Uh, I, I, From Hunter Yurchek's perspective, I don't know how anything that we've witnessed through – how many games are we through now? 16? 16. In the, in the yeah. Chad Morris era. I don't know that there's anything that you go back and go, well, you know what? That Colorado State comeback, that gives me hope for the future. That's it right there. That's our indicator. I, we don't have that. We, <laughs> that, that. You don't count that. I'm sorry. If that were Auburn or A&M or, or, you know, making a game out of Alabama, maybe make it forcing an overtime against someone ranked or something, okay, I'm on board. Maybe we have something to look at, but we don't. Through 16 games, the only light at the end of the tunnel has been recruiting. And I'm going to say, you know, I refer to my YouTube channel quite a bit because I've been doing it for a while. And I I said a lot of things long before I joined the Hard Talk podcast that were not in complete favor of Chad Morris. And I came out and said, after they finished the year at 2-10, and maybe some of you were there. Maybe some of you watched the, the channel and know what video I'm talking about. I said, Chad Morris shares blame for what happened in 2018. And I caught a lot of crap. You know, I was told that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm negative and, and uh, I'm trying to be edgy. I'm trying to be a shock jock. I wasn't, I, I really, like I have said, and I feel this way about Jacob and I feel this way about Porter, our producer. We call it like we see it. Now, Porter's a Clemson fan, but you know what? He's born and raised here in Arkansas. And I, I know he, he cares a little bit, obviously, more than just what we do here. He, he cares a little bit about the Hogs. I would even, we'd have to ask him, but I'm sure Arkansas is kind of like his second team. So, but we, we there maybe there is a little bit of bias in some of what we do. I'm not going to lie about that. Maybe there is, but I'm going to tell you right now. I'm I'm a realist, and what I saw last year was a heavy indicator that something's not right with what's going on with the Chad Morris era. It didn't start on the right foot, and I've never felt like they've they've uh, taken the right step. I've just not seen it. So. I did say, and I'll admit this, I felt like things could get better based on recruiting. My God, you you have a unanimous top 25 recruiting class in twenty uh, the 2019 class. You bring in some great talent. Before that, you know, he had two months to bring in some guys. And who does he get? He gets Mike Woods, who we saw last night. He can shine. Dorian Gerald, who was a top two Juco defensive end. Uh, you know, he brought in some offensive linemen. He brought in some guys that I felt, okay, maybe there's some hope at the end of 2018. In 2019, he has that class. And then this year, he's building on a pretty solid 2020 class. That's really the only light at the end of the tunnel, and I, I don't think there is any light. So his seat has got to be red hot with Hunter Juracek. I don't know how it's not. I really don't. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. When it comes to your check, he's so hard to read. He keeps things close to his vest. I mean, we didn't know if Mike Anderson, for I mean, was he going to even get fired or was were they going to let him stay for another year? I thought, you know, as things went on and on, and I talked to a few Razorback Foundation members. I talked to a few of board of trustees, and and they thought all along that that Mike Anderson was going to stay at Arkansas for another year. They it, it was 
firm up until the last three or four games that that he wasn't going to stay. I do know that some of the Razorback Foundation members have made it known to some of the Board of Trustee members that what's going on is not acceptable. And that came from from a uh, Razorback Foundation member. And they're going to get 100 euro checks here, whether through 16 games or whether it be through 24 games at the end of the year. If Chad Morris goes 0 and 8 again in the SEC, I don't, I don't, I really don't think there's any way you keep him at all, Ty. That's there's 0 and no 16. Way. That's 0 yeah. and 16 in two years. Yeah, and 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 yeah, you may have a victory over Western Kentucky, UCA beat them in opening weekend. That has that's probably your next victory is November second or, or November 9th or whatever day that is. That's your next victory for sure. But even you, you say for sure San Jose State, but here we are, and we're thinking, oh, man, there's no sure victories. You know, and I could even see this scenario playing out where Arkansas does find a way to sneak out a win against somebody. And I know a lot of Hog fans are listening to this going, are you kidding me? I, I get that. But I could see him finding a way to, to, to either put up a really good game against someone after being picked to get blown out, and then all of a sudden, here come here comes the positivity police. Oh, well, see, there you go. There's your evidence. And then him turn around and lose to Western Kentucky. I could yeah. absolutely see that. By the way, Ty Story, I think I don't know if he won the job or not, but the last I had read, he's back in the in the uh, he's, he's back in the race. He's back in the race, and he's competing for that starting job at Western Kentucky. How? terrible would that be if he were to win that job come into Fayetteville and beat Arkansas if Chad Morris wouldn't if if Chad Morris gets another year and that scenario plays out like that there's no one's going to games you're not gonna have you're gonna be lucky to pull 30,000 people at a game and that's problematic that is and they're having trouble now it's gonna be that way the rest of the year you're gonna have a real hard time bringing in a lot of people the rest of the season after what we've witnessed these first four games, especially the San Jose State loss, yeah, good luck. Yeah, and my father-in-law, who's a season ticket holder, I mean, he's not going to the Texas A&M game this coming weekend. Yeah. He said uh, he may not even watch it. He hadn't missed a Razorback game in in 60 years. Wow. He's, or 50, no, it'd be 54 years, I think is what he said. Yeah, 54 years. He hadn't missed a game. Mm-hmm. Incredible. I've talked to uh... – a few, a few people who followed me over on YouTube for a while. I've been talking to them in the DMs. I've been, my God, my DMs. I, I'm sorry if you messaged me and I didn't get back to you. There was so much going on last night and yesterday. I wasn't unable to get back to everybody. But I was. several of them are season ticket holders, and they're done. They're done. And uh, one individual, uh, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he had said that he was Gonna spend all this money, go down to to Arlington, go watch that game next weekend. Now he's he's out. Like he's not going. He's not gonna spend the money. He's not gonna go to another game. He might watch them if they happen to be on TV. That's where, that's where fans are right now. And I know some of that, some of that is a, a very emotional reaction to what we witnessed. And I mean, I could even before I had the podcast when when Brett Bielema, or before I had the YouTube channel when Brett Bielema. You know, that year one, I can remember saying, you know, I'm not watching another game this year. It's going to be terrible. I watched every single game. You know, I, there's going to be that emotional response, and I understand that. And But I do think, I do think there's some people, along with your grandfather, that are pretty serious when they say that. They're they're done. They're not going to watch any more of that. And that's that weighs heavy, and I'm sure we're going to get the comment somewhere. Money money speaks to everybody, and, and yeah. uh, the less people show up, the less people spend on merchandise – the less money spent, that speaks yeah. volumes. And look, that's the way it should be, okay? You shouldn't go I, – I, I hate these – I shouldn't say hate. That's too strong of a word. But these people that say if you don't go to games, you're not a purist. You're not a real fan, and you only support this or, – or, or you're only a real supporter if you go to the games if you're able to go. That's such nonsense. If there's a bad product on the field, you're not going to buy it. And you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to, and you shouldn't be guilt tripped into wanting to, or guilt tripped into going and, and and watching a bad team play football. I don't understand these Puritans on social media. It's like they don't live in reality. They live in some little bubble yeah. where everything's perfect, and 
you know, I don't know if there's snowflakes or what the hell, but people should not be guilt tripped into going to watching this. If you don't want to no. watch a bad product, don't go. Speak with your wallet. And also, feel free to criticize. That's your job as a fan, if you want my opinion. It's your job to voice your opinion on what's happening and what you're saying. A lot of Puritans this weekend came out, and it just kind of bothers me a little bit. You should support the players. Don't tweet at the players. Uh, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even recommend tweeting at the staff. But there's nothing wrong with criticizing on social media and being public with it, as long as you're yeah. living in some form of reality and not going over yeah. the top. But I don't know. I <laughs> Social media bothered me as much as the game did last night. Yeah. Well, look, dude. I got a question. It's just, this isn't technically about the hot seat, mm-hmm. but it does go into something where we talk about something where it is, is the fire still burning in Chad Morris's belly to be successful? Does he still have that edge? Has he become complacent with where he is at saying, Oh man, I made it to the SEC. Maybe I've made it. Look, I've read on Chad Morris from his career as a high school coach. His goal at some point, I think it was at Stephenville High School in Texas, he had the goal of becoming a college coach by the time he was 40. He missed it by a year. He was 41 when he accepted the offensive coordinator position at Tulsa. If you remember, Gus Malzahn was there the year before he was, or a couple of years before he was. And Chad Morris created a monster with G.J. Kenny at quarterback. I mean, he was, that offense was incredible. He spent one year there. The next year he goes to Clemson. Clemson was 15-12 and 12 going into Chad Morris's first year as offensive coordinator. He wasn't co-offensive coordinator. He's two years removed from being in high school as a head coach where he went 36-0 and 0 for Lake Travis High School. He turns a 15-12 and 12 team as the offensive coordinator in the next four years, while he's there as offensive coordinator, he goes 42-11. and 11. Then he goes and takes over SMU as a head coach. They were 0-12 the year before, and they go 2-10, 5-7, 7-5. That's his best record. 7-5 was the year before he came to Arkansas. He's shown that he, can, that he can build something. And he had the fire there to succeed. It's, it was tough. I mean, this is they were 20 years removed from the death penalty. Yeah, they had a... Bowl game in Hawaii, uh, SMU did with June Jones, like his second or third year there. And then they just regressed. And they were 0-12. They were dead. SMU was dead again. Chad Morris gave them life. What What's happened? I mean, it doesn't even look like Arkansas is going to even go from 2-10 and 10 to 5-7 and 7 this year. You can't tell me that he that he's taken over such a mess. You can't. I know it was messy. I know it was a messy ending with Bielema. But you're still, you still have some SEC talent, and you should be able to adapt your offense and defense to what you have. If you're a high school coach, that's what you learn to do. He, he, I'll give me one more minute here. He was an I-formation coach at Stephenville High School, knew he had to change something up or he was going to get fired at Stephenville. He goes up uh, – six or seven hours up to Springdale, Arkansas, to meet with Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn shares his offense with him, and, and, he, and he converts Gus Malzahn's offense into something that's just like Malzahn's offense, but he gave his spin to it. He was hungry, and he formed his offense around his players. And you have yet to see this at Arkansas at all as a head coach. Right, yeah, I, I don't know if... Um... To your original point about him being burned out, uh, I, I don't know if that's the case because I, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy to be happy with what he's seeing and be satisfied and, and after a short amount of time here to just be okay with it. I truly just believe he's in over his head. Yeah. I just think he's in over his head. He, 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 and he can't right the ship. Maybe, maybe he can. I don't know. With the talent, again, with the talent he's been able to bring in, uh, you know, college football is a weird game. I mean, we've seen, we've seen at other jobs – where a guy gets off to a really slow, terrible start and then is able to turn it around. We have seen that before. The problem is 
with Chad Morris in the SEC West, it's that much more difficult. And in the yeah. state of Arkansas, they don't produce enough talent. You know, over at Clemson, when he was the OC, go back and look at the recruiting before he was hired on and after. Not a lot changed. Not, no, not a lot. No. They, Clemson is in a wonderful place to recruit. They've always recruited pretty well. Uh, you know, obviously now they're top three recruiting classes every year, depending on the recruiting site. You know, so he had that to kind of work with. But it's still a testament to him as an OC. I think he's a wonderful OC. I, I You know what? If <laughs> I remember people talking about bringing Gus Malzahn on as the head coach. Please don't at me. Don't write me angry emails. I'm not saying that's what I want, but I'm saying I can remember when all that was going down and people saying, oh, well, him and Chad Morris are good friends. Let's bring him over as the OC and Gus Malzahn as the head coach. I don't think anybody would have a problem with that. I think his ability to coach, to be a head coach in a power five in the SEC, it's just overwhelming. He's uh, he's lost. He's in over his head. He brings on Chavis, who even at A&M with all the talent that he had, I mean, he's he has struggled against high tempo. And he's just struggled, period, here. It doesn't matter what kind of offense the, the other team's running. He's, I'm sorry, he's done. Chavis at the if anything happens at the very least Chavis needs to hit the road. Yeah, uh, I you know there there's been there's been some rumors floating around that that he didn't show up to the barbecue and that's one of the reasons why they had a few guys bail. Don't quote me on that. I can't substantiate that, but that was something that was passed along to me by a couple of different people. And you wonder if you know, maybe that does explain some of the, some of what's happened in, in recruiting this year. They're not exactly, you know, on defense this year. It's not comparatively, not like what they were able to do a year ago. And you wonder if Chavis is, that's who I think has gotten a little complacent uh, because he's been in the SEC for so long. This is maybe it's just another job to him. In fact, you could argue of the jobs he's had, it's probably his worst job. No, there's no probably about it. It is his worst job that he's had in the SEC when you talk about the ability or the inability to bring in talent. So you yeah. wonder if he's gotten complacent. Don't get me wrong. Last year, that defensive line class, holy cow. I mean, it's one of the best I've ever seen. But you fast forward to this year, it's it's. Uh, I mean, they're they're struggling. You know, now yeah. they do have they do have a really good linebacker committed right now, and they might have another one. Um, but they did, and we're going to get into this in just a minute. They did just lose a commitment today. Yeah. So. Yeah. Real quick. A, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say there's. I think there's there's as much evidence there to show that. I think that's what's happened. I really do. I think Chad Morse is in over his head. I don't think the staff had any idea what they're really in for under Chad Morse, uh, Chief. I think he's just complacent. I really do think he's just working on getting towards retirement. I, I don't care. I'm going to say that. I really just think he's become complacent. I know there's videos of him running around in, in, in camp, and I'm sure he gets excited and he wants to be successful. I'm not saying he doesn't want to be successful, but you just kind of wonder if the fire in his belly has gone out. Um, you could, yeah. you, I could watch that video all day long of him running behind an interception. I think it was uh, Buster Brown in, in a uh, fall game in a scrimmage where he had a pick and Chief was right there running behind him. That's great. That's awesome. But what have you done on the field? Right. Where are the results? They're not there. So I think that's what's happening with Chad Morris and this staff. I think there's com some complacency, and I just think Chad is in over his head. Yeah. yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me that, and even my wife has mentioned that. She thinks that Chad's been over his head for a while. Yeah. That he just it's it's a jump going from the American Athletic Conference. And and let's not forget that even at his time at SMU, he didn't be an FBS uh power five team. At Arkansas, he is not yet to beat a power five team. Yeah. You could go and argue that this could be potentially the worst hire that Arkansas's ever had. Oh, without a doubt. To this without point. Without a doubt. To this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, at, it's it's disappointing. And, and you want better, and fans deserve better. Real quick, we're going to talk about the decommitment of Jamie Greedy Vance, uh, Edna Carr High School's defensive back. You have Greedy Vance and Xavier Cambridge, your first two commitments of this class, decommit. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, you can see Xavion's writing on the wall, and I don't really know what led up to Greedy's decommitment, but it's, it's, 
you've got to you've got to start winning or guys are going to keep jumping off the bus. I mean, you got Tyke Crawford you want to hold on to. You want to hopefully get Garrett Hayes in there. Uh, Brady Ward, who visited this past weekend. There's so many guys there that you're thinking. Maybe some of these guys that were there this weekend were thinking, man, I could start tonight and play well. Yeah. <laughs> I could have covered that off the off uh, uh, Terry Gaither coming off that wheel route. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just there were so many things last night that went wrong, and I think that's what's going to affect the recruiting class. If they go two and ten again, the the recruiting class may implode from top twenty five to top fifty, and that's what you expected a long time ago. Is that Arkansas surely couldn't replicate another top twenty five class? And if they if they implode, it may not, it may not happen, Ty. It may not. Yeah, so Greed, Jamie Vance, this has kind of been rumored for a little while, even before the uh, before the season started, that he was kind of a soft commit. It didn't really surprise me a whole lot, uh, but you kind of hope that maybe those are just there's just nothing but smoke, that there wasn't any fire fire underneath the smoke, and there was. He decommitted. I, I don't. It's unfortunate, especially when you look at the the issues they have in the secondary. Uh, I do think the future could potentially be bright there. You know, you've got a lot of depth at safety, and you got some young talent at the safety positions. You got, you still have Devin Bush, uh, Ladarius Bishop, but there's still this one of the problems Arkansas has had dating back to even the Houston Nut era, and maybe further back to the Danny Ford era. That stacking up depth at linebacker and corner is just not a place they've been able to do it. And maybe they've had years they've had depth, but then it's that quote unquote quality depth like we love to mention here so often and and you kind of you know greedy is someone who a lot of people think is going to get his fourth star over on 24 7 sports but you know 510 155 pound three star out of new orleans for this 2020 class he has he has some pretty good offers arizona state auburn um and I, i don't have the rest of the list in front of me but you know he's got some he's got some decent offers i'm not sure how many of them are actually committable but he's again he's got a few uh, he's top 50 on 24-7 sports at the cornerback position. He's a top 30 player in the state of Louisiana, and he's number 603 nationally ranked, according to 24-7 sports. Well, actually, they're composite. He's 603, yeah. and 24-7 has him at 556. So they actually uh, they actually believe he's a top 600 player, uh, just their staff anyways. But disappointing. He is their second decommitment. I'm going to tell you. If one way or another, I think they end up losing more. I don't know if they're going to be able to recover when some of these guys start to drop because then the question is, why are they dropping? Well, because yeah. Arkansas is not winning ball games. So then what happens as an end result of that? Well, then Chad Morris might end up getting canned. So you could end up losing a lot of this, uh, a lot of these commitments. But that's a part of it. That is exact. That's how this thing goes. When you when you when you want a new staff in, when you're calling for Chad Morris to be terminated. Ultimately, these guys, they're typically committed to the staff, not just the university. Yeah. So yep. I, I don't know how this unfolds. Unfortunately, you know, Mark Smith and Ron Cooper were his primary recruiters. Um, we'll have to wait and see if they get more. I, there's been some smoke about some other players. I'm not going to go into that because there's nothing concrete there right now. But, yeah, it's it's expected to happen when you're when you're looking at three and nine, two and ten. Four wins is probably their ceiling, and that might be a little high. God, that's so sad to say. Uh, hearing that out loud is even more depressing. But we'll have to wait and see and be patient. Hopefully uh, hopefully they can convince these kids to stick around and, and just kind of see how this all unfolds. Yeah, the grand old lady Razorback Stadium deserves a lot better football being played in it than what it's been getting the last three seasons. Oh, gosh. And and people are saying they, they, they want to end their season tickets and stuff. It's not been absolutely terrible. We're just on, uh, yeah, it's been a seven-year stretch of some bad football, <laughs> but there have been some good highs. There, there have been. Let's not let's not just get away and just say it's all doom and gloom. We've been three and nine the last seven seasons. There's been a couple. There's been a few winning seasons. It's just you're in a funk right now, and it doesn't look like you're going to get out of it. Mm-hmm. But I think Arkansas, when you go back to the '92 season, you might be able to go back to I and talk about a little bit more just because you have a few more years on me than I than I have, Razorback wise. That 1991, 92, 93 era of trying to become relevant 
in the SEC was kind of tough. Do you remember anything of it? The early in the Danny Ford era and and the Jack Crow era. I mean, it was it was it tough? Well, I'm not that old. I don't know how old you think I am. I'm not that old. You're just like seven years older than I am. But so so I was just wondering if there was any insight that you could give us on on how hard it was getting getting through those times. I remember the Houston nut hire. I remember that like yesterday. I remember him coming in and uh, there was some excitement. But then you had the old guard. You had the older fans, you know, that were not as excited about Houston nut because it wasn't this huge big time name. Uh, he was kind of considered an up-and-comer. But, you know, you go back to the Southwest Conference era. You know, I was born in 83. And in, in 1983, Arkansas went 6-5 and five under Lou Holtz, and that was, his, that was his last year. Then you bring in Ken Hatfield, who was here for six years. That guy goes, man, I can't – I think 55 and – I'm trying to do the math in my head. 55 and like 18 or something uh, was pretty successful. And I don't know what happened with Ken Hatfield. To this day, maybe we should have asked Otis. I don't know why they ran him off. You know, his last year at Arkansas in 1989, they went 10-2, uh, and 7-1 and one in the Southwest Conference. Uh, they did lose to uh, Tennessee in the uh, uh, Cotton Bowl, the 1990 Cotton Bowl in Dallas. They lost 27-31. to That was a pretty damn good Tennessee team, by the way. But then you hire in Jack Crow, and Jack Crow goes 9-2. and God, I'm terrible at math. Nine and 15. Um, I really should have busted out my media guide, but he didn't last. And and they fired him. They fired him after Citadel. Apparently, I was at the Citadel game. I was like seven. I don't remember being there, but my dad said he took me because he remembers on the way home, he was just complaining the whole time. And I was just rolling my eyes because I just was so upset about the loss. But yeah, you fire him. And and I think Joe Kynes took over as the interim, and he coached for a season, and he's terrible. You know, they open up yeah. the year against South Carolina, and they blow South Carolina out of the water, but then they don't – I don't think they won but another game or two. Yeah, they went three and three and six or three and seven or something like that. And then you bring in Danny Ford, and that doesn't work out other than, than one year of going to the SEC championship. And let's be honest, that was just kind of by default because the SEC West was in such turmoil. Uh, that was in 95. You go eight and five and you get to the conference championship. Yeah. You're not expected to beat a, a Steve Spurrier coach Florida team. No, not at all. But then you finally get it right. I guess you could argue. I, I think Houston, as of right now, during my lifetime is the best coach they've hired. I know there's going to be some older people, you know, people older than myself that will tell you that, oh, well, you know, Ken Hatfield was great. As far as my recollection of understanding the game of football during my lifetime, Houston has been their best coach. The guy goes 75 and 49. He produces more first-round talent as a, as a head coach at Arkansas than any other previous coach, I believe. Um, produced so many All-Americans, got them, to, uh, got them to, to, you know, his first year. His first two years, the guy won, what, 18 games in his first yeah. two seasons? You know, he had that, that, uh, that upset – well, it's not an upset, but they had a disappointing loss to Michigan, who was uh, top 20 at the time. But then the following year, they, they just smacked down Texas 27-6 to in the, in the Cotton Bowl. Like, those years, th- those years seem so long ago because they were. I mean, that was, that was 20 years ago when that happened. So, it's, it's disappointing. I'm trying to get caught up here. My media guy, I pulled it out here. Um, but, yeah, I, this, you say it's not terrible. I think it is. I, I think this is the worst yeah. era of, of Arkansas football in its history. Um, it's this is you can't get any worse. You can't get any worse than two and ten. You had your first ten loss season a year ago. It yeah. looks like that could happen again. This You're year. talking about yeah. nineteen to twenty win, uh, nineteen to twenty losses in two years. That is a. I mean, that's guys. That's not. <laughs> people Sorry. are talking about how Arkansas doesn't belong in the SEC with that record. You don't belong in in the NCAA Division One. No. <laughs> I mean, We're, that's yeah. atrocious. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fifty-five and seventeen was Hatfield's record at Arkansas. Okay. Houston Nut comes on seventy-five and forty-six, and then Bobby Petrino had a he wanted a high clip, but most of those wins were the was a twenty was a twenty-one and five record there at the end. Yeah. And then since then, the seven years, you don't even have a winning record. You've no. lost fifty-two games 
Well, they had two winning winning records. Yeah. 2015 well, uh, like, and 16. Any coaches with a winning record. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah, you that's had three cool. seasons with you had three seasons with Bealum where you had a winning record and you thumped Texas in that bowl game and then you then you go and thump Kansas State in their bowl game and the Liberty Bowl. I mean, it hasn't always been bad, but this is the last three years has just been unacceptable, uh, hard to tolerate. It sucks. So. And and listen to, and I know we're trying to end this thing. I know that people want us to talk about bringing on Bobby Petrino again. It's I not just, gonna happen. It's not going to happen, people. Hunter Kurchek is not going to risk his reputation to hire a guy that was fired at Louisville the way that he was fired. He went one and ten. And he was terminated, and the second win was actually their interim head coach. He wasn't even there when they won the, the second game, I don't believe. No. I mean, you can't hire a guy who did the U of A dirty like he did. I, you know, we're not going to get into should he or should he not have been fired. I'm not getting into that. But you can't hire a guy that embarrassed the University of Arkansas, who then goes to Louisville, gets fired for having an abysmal final season, um, he's on an apology tour, if you want my opinion. Um, not only that, I don't think he's the same coach since before the accident. I think the venom is out of the snake. I call it the Tiger Woods effect. Uh, you know, he got busted doing some stuff that he shouldn't have been doing, and he's not been the same since, in my opinion. And so you're not, you're not, people cling on to the success that he had. And yeah, it was great. Had that not happened, I firmly believe Arkansas would still be in the picture of being considered one of the top five, top six schools in the SEC. Yeah, you know, I, I think they would have been. I think I'm not saying they'd win ten every year. You're going to have a down year. I know people want to talk about his recruiting and how they were, you know, trending downward in recruiting. But if you go back to that 2012 season, oh my God, the talent they had coming back. Absolutely. Are you oh kidding God. me? You don't think he he won ten games the year? But hell, he won eleven games the year before. You don't think he could have duplicated that in 2012? He so would I have actually it. had a defense. I get it. You know, people want to relive that. They they think that anything's yeah. better than what we have now, but it can absolutely get worse, believe it or not. It's Arkansas. That's, you know, what Pinto says on Twitter, hog's going to hog. Hiring Petrino back would be the ultimate hog going to hog move you could ever make. Yeah. I would almost rather you bring in, and I'm going to catch so much hate for this, but I would almost rather you bring in Houston Nutt before you'd hire in by Petrino. Yeah. He's, he's just not the same guy. He's not the same I don't think he's the same play caller. I don't think he's the same head coach. It's like coaching with handcuffs. He'd be under the he'd constantly be under surveillance. He'd have restrictions by the AD and the board of trustees. Like it wouldn't be what everyone thinks it would be. It just wouldn't. And uh, that's my thought on that. I, I know I've had I've been asked that so many times. My chat was just flooded with that last night on the live stream. Bring back Bobby. It's not going to happen. Hunter's not going to risk his reputation to bring him in no. here. No, not at all. And and it, yeah, I know it stinks, but I mean, even if you get rid of Chad Morris, I mean, I know it's cliche to say who you're going to get, but honestly, right now, I don't see anybody that 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 really just pops out to me that that outside of the top ten or fifteen programs that are currently in the top twenty five. I don't see any other coaches out there that just have a boom in resume, and that's what I'm going to end on here. Is right now, if you get rid of Chad Morris, there's no big names. I think there's some options out there that might be interested. And people are throwing around Urban Meyer. I don't I don't see that as a possibility for a multitude of different reasons, but mostly because Arkansas it's it's Barry Switzer, again, last thing I swear. Barry Switzer was on Bo <laughs> Mattingly's show. We knew this would be a long podcast. I think people are okay with that. He said on, on Bo Mattingly's talk show a few years back why he didn't take the Arkansas job. You know what his response was? No. What is it? Recruiting. You can't recruit to this school. You're in the middle of nowhere. Now, obviously, things have changed. Chad Morris has been able to do that. But still, at the end of the day, you're lucky to finish top 12 in the SEC in recruiting. Yeah. Here. Yeah. So if, while it's been great on a national level, look, Arkansas is out recruiting programs that finish with nine, 10 wins every other year. They're out recruiting those programs. And a lot of that's because you're in the SEC and then you got these wonderful facilities. The fans are the best in college football. Maybe that's biased for me. I don't care. But I mean, he's right. So that's good. That has a heavy effect. 
how they got Brett Bielema out of Wisconsin when he was winning like he was is still beyond me. And obviously now, hindsight being 2020, it didn't work out. It's easy to say, well, you know, he sucks. Well, at Wisconsin at the time, he didn't suck. He's winning 98-24. Yeah. Three straight Three. Rose Bowls. Three straight Big Ten championships. Whether the se- the third one was by default, <laughs> but yeah, but they rolled funny. over Nebraska that year. So uh, coming out of Wisconsin, that was a big time hire, and I still would argue on paper, as far as a coach coming in from one job to another, outside of maybe Petrino leaving uh, the Falcons, th- that's still one of the most mind blowing hires I've seen at Arkansas. You know, Ken Hatfield was a good old boy hire that worked out. Lou Holtz wasn't quite the Lou Holtz that he eventually would become, and Frank Broyles was obviously. You know, I mean, he was embedded here after taking the job as the head coach. You know, even though he played at Georgia Tech, he was embedded here and, you know, yeah. made a lot of good old boy hires that worked out. Houston, I think you could argue, worked out for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I, I just uh, – I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> we could go on and on about, about what they got to do next, who they could bring in, who they could hire – we don't know until the season's over with. I think that's when they make a move. I think that's probably if they do go 2-10, and 3-9, and nine, that's when Hunter will make his move, probably immediately following the Mizzou game, assuming you lose, and they probably will. You make your move, and then we'll see who's interested. We'll see who's available. That list could be completely different between now and yeah. then, and it, and it will be. Absolutely. I mean, you got eight more weeks, guys. Eight more weeks, fans. Maybe nine more because you got a bye week. <laughs> yeah. Just, just live through it. It's going to be okay, mm-hmm. and then we'll go on, and, and, and greener pastures are ahead, surely. What, surely. what have I said before? <laughs> what did I say about after that Portland State game? Do you remember what I said? Maybe not. Maybe I said it yeah. on the YouTube channel and not here. It's just best to be along for the ride. Yeah. Just be along That's for the ride. It. Cheer on Trey Knox. Hope he puts up some great numbers. Already Maybe has. Maybe he already has for a freshman. It's incredible. Uh, maybe Nick Starkle turns it around, but you're still probably going to lose. Uh, you are. You're going to lose a lot of games. Be along for the ride. Cheer him on. Support the team as best you can. Um, watch. You know, I'm a stat guy. I love keeping up with this, especially these freshmen, because it's going to add on some excitement for the next year. But you got Trey Knox coming back as a freshman. He caught, you know, 55 passes, 600 yards, you know, seven touchdowns. It's nice to open up a preseason magazine. And when they talk about the top players, it's nice to see a Razorback on yeah. that short list. That's what you're here for. I mean, because, well, I mean, you, you're obviously you're going to support and you want them to win. But the reality is not going to get a lot of that this year. It's just best to be along for the ride. Pull the emotion out of it if you can. I know, good Lord, that's asking a lot for a Hog fan because we love our Razorbacks. But that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah. Well, Ty, it has been a good show, man. I think I think we had a lot of hashing out to do. I think we, I think we solved that. I think uh, <laughs> I think I yeah. feel a lot better now, and that we'll go into Texas A and M feeling a little bit better yeah. uh, when we get to our podcast Thursday to review them. So Us it's been a fun one. This has been yes. therapeutic. Like I told the guys in the live chat last night, it's been very therapeutic to sit here and ramble and rant, and you know sometimes you're. We don't script out our shows. We don't like we might bullet point some topics, but we don't script these things out. And so we're just hashing it out together. And you guys are here along for the ride just to hear us kind of rant this thing out. And Jacob, you did a great job. I couldn't agree, you know, with some of the things that you said any more than I already do. Um, it's a good show. And uh, yeah. looking forward to the looking forward to our Thursday recording. And I know that show will be up Friday morning, but going to be yeah. plenty to talk about then, too. This show will be up tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. So, Razorback fans, uh, tune in. Give us your thoughts. Let us know what, you, what you're thinking on a Monday you, at the Water you, Coolers. Star power. Rate yes. us, please. <laughs> yes. Uh, subscribe. Go to your iTunes or, or Apple, whatever you have, whatever product you have, whether it's Stitcher, you can rate us there, too. Uh, just give us a star rating, star power, some subscriptions, and Get our numbers up. Let us know what you think about our message. It, it encourages us to keep going and, and shooting high. Uh, we want to be the we want to be the top. We want to be number one. So so that you guys help us. Thank you, Razorback Nation. This has been Jacob Davis, my co-host Ty Hudson. This is the Hog Talk Podcast. Hey! 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 Here comes the. Here comes the. Here 
Shelby Taylor Trucking is the leading timber company in the business. If you need your lane cleared today, call them at 870-942-7288. TMK Properties is a premier real estate agency for folks looking to move into Sheridan and the surrounding area of Grant County, Arkansas. Tony and Mary Kay Palmer, with their elite real estate agents, are equipped and ready to make your search for the dream home go smoothly as possible. Schedule an appointment with them today at 870-942-0800. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.